You must come and live with us. But we cannot live with you. You're, you're different. You've got no feelings. Feelings? I do not understand that word. Emotions, love, pride, hate, fear. Have you no emotions, sir? Come to Mondas and you will have no need of emotions. You will become like us. Like you? Welcome to the Trap One Podcast. Um, joining me today to discuss the most shocking Doctor episode uh, ever is Eric Stadnick from Doctor Who The Writer's Room. Uh, Let's and... not sell it, Mark. The most <laughs> shocking thing ever? Come on. This is what the BBC were, were selling it as. This is, uh... Oh, was it? I didn't miss I, I didn't see that. I, I missed that. I think they might have said one of the most shocking episodes of all time. Oh, it's up there, certainly. But... Yeah, I mean, would have been more shocking... Um, without the pre-publicity uh, uh, surrounded it, I guess. I, that's interesting because I, a lot of people have said that, you know, if we hadn't known Jonathan was coming, we we would have felt so shocked by his reveal. And I think that's right. At the same time, I think that's not the interesting reveal in the episode. I think the other big reveal at the end is the interesting one that Moffat really didn't want anyone to know about. The bills and we did yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, it starts at the very beginning. Like, you know, the entire episode, she's essentially, you know, not what we think she should be or not how, where she thinks we think she should be. So the fact that none of that leaked yeah, is, I think that's impressive. And I, I do sometimes wonder if, because everyone got distracted by the John Sin stuff, they kind of ignored any clues that might be coming out through various reports about what was going on with Bill. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's easy to keep under wraps as well because if they're doing location shooting, the people will spot John Sim. But a Cyberman in a cyber costume, it just appears to be that. Uh, it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, there's no clue that it's going to be uh, Bill inside. Yeah, um, or even, or even, you know, we spent a day doing a special effect of Bill getting a hole shot in her chest. Yeah, uh, but that didn't leak. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Impressive. Um, I mean, I guess because I know the argument is that it's going to leak anyway, so they might as well get some publicity out of sort of John Sim coming back mm-hmm. or the original Cybermen. But uh, I don't. It kind of feels to me that the only people that would be interested in that would be the people who would watch anyway. Um, so you know how much of it is, uh, you know, if if there has to be leaks, or if if they believe that leaks are unavoidable, I don't know how else they can get around it. I guess that's. Uh, I, mean, I suppose what they could do is bombard the tabloids with loads of fake leaks so that they don't know what is real. Uh, but so nobody knows what's real and what's not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris uh, Chibnall can have that if, if he's listening. That's uh... <laughs> <laughs> the, the other thing I would, I would add is, um, you know, John Sim is, he's, I mean, he's not, is he the first? I would have to like really. I'm going to say this, and I, I'm probably not exactly right, but people know what I mean. He's the first like recurring guest actor from the RTD era to show up in the Moffat era. Yeah, I guess there's only Davros, isn't there? I guess that uh, they're just in Bleach. Davros. Yes, sorry. Yeah, Justin Bleach is Davros who appeared once. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, like, 
you know, Sim Master is so heavily associated with the RTD era. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think it was made, you know, and, you know, Moffat brought in his own master in Missy. And so it was, and so I think for some people who sort of used to watch the show more faithfully and now it's maybe sort of fallen off, they've been like, oh, they brought him back. I like him. Yeah. Or what have you. So I think that, I think there may have been a little bit of publicity juice in that, or at least I could see why they would think there'd be publicity juice in that, at least. Yeah, true. And he's, he's a popular actor as well. That's the. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably yeah. their high name actor. Yeah. yeah. I guess from the, the point of view of fan watching it, knowing he was going to be in it, um, you were kind of keeping an eye out for him. Uh, and I didn't spot him at first. After about his <laughs> third scene, the penny started to drop um, that it was him under the, uh, under the makeup. Yeah, yeah. No, I uh, being up, being here in the states, it's it's hard to avoid things after the episode airs in the UK, and there were just nothing. No one explicitly said this is how the master appears, but there were jokes about um, the master loves wearing you know stupid rubber masks and things. Yeah. Um, and so, sure enough, as soon as this guy showed up who had no other role in the show and was wearing a dumb rubber mask, I'm like, oh, that's the master. And then once you realize it is, you can kind of spot John Sim's voice patterns and whatnot underneath. Yeah. Even though, even though he's doing a he's doing a, a weird accent, he's doing weird voice patterns. He's doing all sorts of stuff to sort of throw people off the scent. But it's it's clearly still him at a certain point. Yeah, I thought it was, was it a terrific performance. Um, I, I think he's such a likable character, uh, and the humor, the way it was written and the way it was delivered was was brilliant. The little um, the little jokes about the tea. Um, and about mm. so when you hug me, it hurts my heart, and that kind of thing. They were uh, it was really nicely done. Yeah, and it's 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 really fun to think that he had to do that. You know, the character had to keep that up yeah. for over two years, for like multiple years. Yeah, it's, uh, it's to the point where like Bill grows very fond of him, and it's such a master thing to do is to just drag out, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> drag out that period as long as possible before he finally betrays her yeah it's uh it's quite the sort of um quite the dedication to the role isn't it of uh <laughs> yes. method because uh, i guess at night he's taking the mask off he's, he's that beard's quite well trimmed and things isn't it he's uh you know he's kind of uh, looking after himself as well and then uh recommitting to the character the rest of the time yeah one assumes although who yeah. knows how time where his beards grow right. <laughs> that's true just through force of, of mental will, yeah. Mm. Um, and I guess potentially she's known Razor longer than the Doctor. I mean, it's not really clear. In time, yes, I think she has. Yeah. And certainly more intimately, I would argue, or at least you believe she did. Yeah. it's. Um, I think you get that sometimes. With, with She's still very much, you know, kind of obsessed with watching the Doctor and waiting for him. Um, it reminded me a little bit of uh, the 11th Doctor's time on Trenzalore. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still sort of waiting for Clara to come back, but he has known some of the residents of Trenzalore their entire lives. He's known them from the cradle to the grave, hasn't he? You know, they're uh, for, for decades and decades and decades. Um, but it's still very much kind of Clara, who's known relatively a much shorter amount of time that uh, you know he kind of hankers after and uh, and wants to be with once he's regenerated. Yeah, although in the. Um I think, you know, he, um, Moffat, like pretty much every season has like a, you waited for me story or I waited for you storyline. It's one of his things. Um, but for the first time, maybe the first time I'd have to like rethink about it, but the the first time I could think of in this episode, um, 
not only does the waiting go bad, but the person who's doing the waiting loses interest in the person who is supposed to be coming for them. Yeah. You know, the last few times we see Bill, she's not even looking at the TV anymore. Yeah. And then um, she ignores the uh, that um, hypnotic suggestion that you planted when, when um, Ray's is going to take yes. her out into the city. Yeah. 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 She's, she's sort of saying, this is where I live now. This is my life. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that actually. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, they don't visibly age her, do they? That's uh, well, I guess if it's no, just a, a but she's young. Years, yeah, you don't visibly age much between like twenty and twenty-three. Yeah, it's after that it's all downhill, isn't it? So. <laughs> <laughs> it went very rapidly. So on that cheery note, <laughs> um, <laughs> if, uh, <laughs> did you enjoy this one? The world of time enough. Yes, I. <laughs> um, I have. Um, I have. I have a sort of um, almost philosophical objection to uh, judging too firmly on part ones of two part stories, especially yeah. when they're written by Stephen Moffat. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. It's it's only half the story. That's you know, it. It's only half the story. Yeah, I think probably I probably see more Russell T. Davis as well. I think um I really enjoyed a lot of his first parts and setups and then was left a bit disappointed by the second part. Uh so Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't watch part one of Black Orchid and then say, Okay, well how is it? Yeah, that's like, true. Well, you watch part two. <laughs> you watch part two to find out how it ends and 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 you know, we have this tendency just to do this with these stories. Yeah. Uh, is it a- and it you know, I understand why, because it airs separately, but it's sort of like over and over again, we have had stories that begin one way and end another, either in terms of quality or even in terms of completely shifting the plot narrative. You know, Moffat is very fond of completely subverting what you expect from a first part and a second part of a story. That's it. And often the second part will start quite a way afterwards or in a totally different situation, won't they, with, uh, with the Stephen Moffat ones? Yeah, he said very famously, or maybe not famously, I don't know who listens to commentaries, but he said, you know, publicly on the commentary to Empty Child Doctor Dances, which does just sort of, it stops and it picks up again a week later. He's like, it's awful because it makes you, it gives you this weird impression that everyone's been standing there still for a week waiting for you to come yeah. back. Yeah. He's like, it's much better if you're going to do sort of multi-part storytelling to find a way to actually tell two connected but discrete storylines, but they're going to inform each other and you won't know what part one means without part two fully. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely the format he's taken since then, isn't it? Because um, probably the next two part he did was Silence in the Library, Forest of the Dead, which mm-hmm. opens with Donna in the simulation uh, and totally kind of knocks you for six, doesn't it? You, you, you takes you a while to pick up the thread of, uh, of what's happened in the interim. Yeah. Yeah, and then you know he he maintained that, um, you know not it, not quite as strongly, but it's still pretty much maintained in the Angels two parter, yeah. where like you have this massive shift that happens roughly at the halfway point where the crack becomes. A, it's like oh okay, this is a different story than we thought we had. Yeah, uh, and very much and the Pandorica opens and the Big Bang. Um, completely. Yeah, the part two is. Uh, let alone something like the impossible astronaut day of the moon, which literally picks up months later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, 
weeks or months later. Like he just he's he's not he's not that interested in doing just I told the first part, now I told the second part. I guess the closest he got again was with uh Sorcerer's Apprentice and which is familiar. Yeah. Which is kind which kind of is just part one and part two. But he layers in so many weird storytelling elements to kind of distinguish the one from the other that you don't really feel like you just you don't really feel like you've just paused the action and you come back it still feels like a different thing yeah yeah by picking up the the uh the point of view with uh with missy and clara at that point doesn't he so, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah and of reframing the entire story in terms of how does the doctor win yeah where that first then yeah so you know or god forbid uh hell bent and heaven sent i mean like yeah. it's, you know <laughs> yeah, that's he, a two-part story and everyone always talks about hell bent as a standalone story and it is obviously but it's the first part of a two-parter and the part two has nothing to do with part one yeah yeah i suppose i do think of those as separate stories actually yeah but i mean they're even named to go together <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, um so yeah I don't know. Uh, so I'm, you know, I obviously have plenty of opinions and things to say, but like in terms of whether this was a good or bad episode, I'm like, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how he pays off all the stuff he's laid down on the, on the table here. Yeah. Yeah. It is difficult to say at this point, if, if he can live up to it, I think it's going to be uh, probably one of my favorites since the, since the show came back. But yeah, no, if he, if he pulls it all out, it's going to be a classic, yeah. You know, uh, under, you know, one of his classic reinventions of Doctor Who history. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you're ready uh, to press play. Yeah, I mean, let me just make sure everything is all set up again. Uh, subtitles on. Yes. Yes. If, okay. Yes. If you're watching along at home, we will press play in three, two, one. With a very enticing opening. Yeah, this um, this opening, which is one of the things that obviously will need to be explained, justified, whatever, um, is, and you know, I, I watched it with a large group of friends, and we were talking about it afterwards, and it's sort of like, I was trying to get people to like place bets on whether we think it's actually from next week, whether we think it's from Christmas, whether we think it's a fake out of some kind. Yeah. It's, um, I saw on Twitter, um, Benjamin Crook, who's the, the writer for the Doctor Who magazine, said yes. this part was filmed less than two weeks before the episode, so it's filmed with the Christmas special. I've heard, yeah, I've heard, I've heard about two weeks and two months, which it could be a communication error somewhere along the line, but yeah, wow. very recently. Yeah. Um, I also have information that the, the episode was being edited, like, up to the last minute, like, Rachel Talley was still doing finishing touches and final work on it. Um, and so I think, and I think partly because Talley is doing these two and she's doing the Christmas special. Yeah. So I suppose it allows me to, to carry things back as being well. work for Christmas special as part of this block and sort of use it later. And they can kind of think of everything as one whole. Yeah. I would not all be surprised if there was a cliffhanger at the end of next this week's episode. Yeah, it seems like such a golden opportunity to do it, doesn't it? And leave people in suspense for a yeah. few months. Yeah. But you don't even know who the new doctor is. Like we still don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know when that's gonna. Whether it's gonna be revealed, kind of just before Christmas. It depends when they start filming the series eleven, I guess. 
Yeah, um, whenever someone is showing up in Cardiff, although no, they'll be in Cardiff now. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the thing that made me think it probably isn't his final regeneration is that I can't see his last words being no, like ah. that, you know. <laughs> I think yeah, no, of... it's such a, it's such a, um, I, I really hate it. It's, it's the screaming no to the heavens overhead shot. I'm like, yeah. that's lazy. Yeah. That's really lazy. And, and uh, Rachel's it. a better director. Rachel, if I know her. Uh, yeah. Miss <laughs> is a better director than that. Moffat's generally a better writer than that. Like, I don't, and I don't think Capaldi would be like, that's the note I want to go out on. No, they, they tend to have a more profound uh, final line, don't they? Uh, especially in the modern series. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's going to be some kind of fake out, I think. Yeah, I think I think it has to be, or at least it's not. We're not seeing the full picture. Yeah. Oh, I'm Doctor Who. <laughs> I quite like this. It's uh, it's a bit of a well. I mean, the Doctor says that uh, Missy's winding Bill up, but that he's winding the fans up a bit to some extent as well. Um, he loves. I mean, he does that all the time. Yeah. I did, is it the case uh, in the states here? I mean, the the public perception is that he is called Doctor Who. Um, mm-hmm. Is it? It's kind of the same over there. Is that you know, if, if for the casual viewer sort of thing, or somebody who's kind of knows about the series? I don't know if there are. Oh, I know I, there are obviously casual Doctor mm-hmm. Who viewers in the states, but by and large, the media about the show in the states is done by nerds right? <laughs> or, or, or just by people who came into the show during either the RTD or more likely the early Moffat era. It's unlikely they would ever actively call him Doctor Who. Yeah. Like they would call him the doctor because every, like I'm, I think more Americans are sort of aware that in theory, that's the character's name and not, not Doctor Who. Yeah. I think over here, the, uh, the media and, and uh, I mean, it, over here, it's you can never watched it, but have kind of a you know kind of a, a level of knowledge about it because it's been been around for so Cultural long. Cultural familiarity, yeah, that's people it. know what the TARDIS is, people know what a Time Lord is, people know who Doctor Who is. Yeah, they could name a Dalek and things like that. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, so it does. Uh, I wonder. I wondered this at the end of the the season that ended with. Um, the guy in the box shouting "Doctor Who," whether that was going to be yes. going to kind of align it with the with the public consciousness. Uh, well, it, it was him sort of making it clear that 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 Doctor Who was not a was not a name; it was a question. Yeah, and which is a question we've seen in the show any number of times. Yeah, um, and so and and Moffat Moffat, I think, wanted to restore a certain amount of mystery to the Doctor. Mm. You know, he started with the name thing in Girl in the Fireplace, for God's sakes. Yeah. The thing that never really went anywhere the, was the thing about the Doctor stepping back into the shadows, wasn't it? And the Daleks not knowing who he was. It uh, it was fairly short-lived. Yes, yes. And, no, it was. Changed. It was. I think I, it was an idea he had. He couldn't quite make it work, maybe. Yeah. I think Missy's great in these scenes. Uh, I think she's. Uh, <laughs> it shows she could um, she could be the lead, or, or uh, you know, should she ever get a spin-off, she'd be she'd be very watchable. Absolutely. It's it's interesting. I you know there are lots of fan theories that somehow 
Missy is like the doctor in the next season. I'm like, oh, that's crazy. Yeah. But it it is different. Like um, before this episode aired, people were really struggling with what what the arc for the season was. Yeah. Like what what the overarching storyline was. And with this episode falling into place, I mean, next week's can always rechange our thinking. But with next week's falling into place, the arc broadly defined is: can the Doctor get Missy to be good? Yeah, and it's like a to the point where in this episode she's going to confront her own evil version past, yeah. and and we'll see how that turns out next week. But my guess is, it's this idea that eventually Missy will realize she would rather be good. Even if that means she has to die, probably. Yeah, that's that's where I think it's going. But it seems like a battle for her soul, doesn't it? In the maybe in the next one between the Doctor and John Sims Master. Yeah. Uh, to, uh, which is really, which is really just saying her past and her yeah her history, and it's it's can we ever become a better person than what we were before? Mm. Which is, a, I mean, a deeply, profoundly moral question. But it's just sort of hiding in plain sight, as Moffat likes to do sometimes. Yeah. Absolutely. And something he's toyed with, I suppose, with um, Into the Dalek and with Davros yes. in, uh, in the, the two-part opener for, for the last series of, of redemption of characters like that, isn't it? Yeah, no, I think that's right. I like that the Doctor steps in here that because uh, uh, I did see a little bit of criticism on Twitter about the Doctor using his companions as um, you know to go out with Missy and put them in danger. But as soon as there is danger, you know, it's not just a distress call. Uh, he does kind of step in to try and try and resolve it. Yeah, no, it, it, it was sort of like he was he wanted to test uh, Missy, but only if there were absolutely no complications. Yeah. And as soon as things got a bit dicey, he was like, uh-uh, I can't, I can't. He still has this idea that he talked uh, talked about with Clara about the duty of care. Yeah. Uh, which is about to become very, um, very pertinent here in a moment. Yeah, very much so. And I guess there's probably, uh, the, the, the danger is to this guy from Missy as much as uh, the, the danger to his companions from him. really ominous this isn't it as the uh, as the lifts come close and then and that that line that he the doctor says to the um the guy with the gun um about you one day you'll wonder i couldn't quite remember which one but that is an echo of a, a an episode earlier in this series isn't it i think it's found and familiar okay here's okay here we go i really have issues with this moment like a lot of people have issues I don't have all the ones that they have necessarily, or at least to the same extent. I think the shot in her chest is overly graphic for Doctor Who. I just do. Yeah. I think it's like, we, we, we get the idea you don't need to like repeatedly show there's a giant burnt hole in her chest. It goes a lot further than most Doctor Who, mostly with uh, kind of a laser kind of futuristic gun in Doctor Who. It, people that either evaporate entirely or are just knocked mm-hmm. over, aren't they? Or you know, kind of without any visible injuries. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, good to, and, yeah. yeah, and I know that it, it sort of adds to the body horror element that the rest of the episode is going to like be very steeped in. But you know, kids watch this, like actual kids, not like fourteen-year-olds, but like seven-year-olds. Yeah, 
and Bill's their friend and like the companion. And that's like, if you had done that to Rose or something, like people would not have had it. It would have been like, no, you can't do that. You can do that to Jack. Captain Jack would be yeah. fine. Or yeah. even maybe to Nardole. I was going to say Nardole. Yeah. yeah, it does raise the stakes, doesn't it? Um, yeah, very early on. And then the um, this kind of flashback now to the setting up the the idea of, of testing out Missy and going on the mission. Mm-hmm. It's all quite light-hearted, but it gives it a real dark edge, doesn't it? That uh, knowing what what befalls them and the doctors talked her into it as well. Yeah. Um, and the importance to him of uh, of trying to redeem Missy. That is kind of the most important thing to him at this point. Yeah, it also initially because this sort of scene where they're talking about Missy and and the Doctor and her him being like the oldest friend in the universe, all this stuff. It makes you. Um, it at first it sort of absolves Missy for the responsibility of what happened to Bill because it wasn't Missy's fault that this happened. Like this is. This, this happened because the doctor puts people in dangerous situations and sometimes their luck runs out. Yeah. At the same time, when you find out later that at least some of what's happening on the ship is entirely due to the master, it's like, okay, so he did kill Bill. That's yeah. what work. Oh, this is the gender discussion. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't want to uh, talk about it after that, does he? <laughs> yeah, but you still called Time Lords. Yeah, shut up. Yeah, but it was it was always Time Ladies as well, wasn't it? In the in the in the old series, I don't think it's something they bandy around in the new series. But yeah, Romana, I think talked about Time Lady, and and I know Missy has referred to herself as the Time Lady, saying she you know she's old fashioned type of Time Lady. She did, didn't she? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and then this, this, uh, say this, this is just kind of a bit of uh, bit of light-hearted banter, isn't it? About oh, I'll try and keep you alive, but just really yeah. undercut with uh, the bleakness of it. And I, I and um, in addition to this, simply, I think it's too graphic. I know a lot of people have been very concerned that you take a black queer character on Doctor Who and you kill her in a really violent way as a way of eliciting emotion from the main character that's not great always yeah i, I honestly think moffat's the kind of person that even think about it in those terms but you know we had danny in season eight who got turned into a cyberman <laughs> and then we have bill in season 10 who's been turned into a cyberman it's like don't be a black person on moffat's doctor you'll be turned into a cyberman yeah that's uh it's problematic uncomfortable isn't it yeah The thing I just thought there where they um they went from a, a shot of the black hole in the background to the hole in her uh, torso. Yeah. That seemed like uh something that was uh, kind of deliberate there to match, didn't it? I would think so. Uh, I would definitely think so. I mean it's all it's all very well directed and very well done. Mm. It's all it's all very beautifully done and very emotional, but it's just sort of whether or not it's done appropriately for this show. Yeah. I suppose it's the you know. kind of level of stuff you'd see in maybe Star Wars, isn't it? Of uh, you know people getting um, hands or arms severed, that kind mm-hmm. of uh, that kind of 
level of horror. These guys are really creepy, aren't they? Um, the way you never quite see them as well, the way it's shot, or don't see yeah. them for too long. It's also very frustrating to me in this moment that the doctor doesn't just say, I'm coming with you. Yeah. I suppose the guy, uh, the, the blue guy does say, oh, be careful, they'll break you in half or something. They'll snap you in half. It's yeah. like, but I mean, he's the doctor. He should yeah. go immediately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it would be more heroic, wouldn't it? It's, uh, it is purely for story convenience, isn't it, that, um, that they don't. We get this sort of Tarantino style uh, Mexican standoff now. <laughs> Kill you, don't you? Only make me angry. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose things that kind of seed in that as well, aren't they? About regeneration. And uh, it's been mentioned more often this series, probably. And then um in in the last episode as well the eaters of light he talks about how you know if he defends that portal he'll he'll just continue to regenerate yeah and so, he even uh, says in that story he may be able to do it forever yeah like his, his limitations on regeneration may officially be gone yeah which will make it easier for another showrunner down the line won't it, so it, it did, yes very much some exposition another thing Moffat fixed for himself yeah uh, and I thought this was such a great idea as well. The um, all the life forms that they're picking up are the descendants of the, the of the search party or yeah. the original, yeah, yeah. Because it's been I did just some rough math, like because the math isn't exactly clear on this, yeah. Um, but since they sent the search party down two days ago or whatever it was, it's approximately twenty five hundred years, right on the lower portion of the ship. So it's like the difference between the founding of the Roman Republic and now. And so you're like, so yeah. oh, okay, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's, really, that's really quite a lot. Yeah, so I suppose, I mean, they, uh, I suppose, yeah, because they went down there with quite technology advanced, didn't they? So uh, I suppose in a, in a way they've regressed with the uh, the society that we see. Well, that's, that's the thing I can't quite figure out and, it's one of the things I really hope gets somehow explained or dealt with because if this ship ship left Mondas, as I guess the idea is it's leaving, now we just go into fucker body horror hospital, scary time. Yeah. Um, if this ship left Mondas as, I guess, an alternative way of trying to save the race instead of just turning everyone to Cybermen, yeah. like when Mondas started to die, and so it leaves on this ship. It's like there was there was no indication in the tenth planet that Mondas was anywhere near advanced enough to build a ship like this. Just not. No. Four hundred miles long and hundred miles wide, and could travel in deep space for years. Like no, not that's not that's not what they had. They were clearly just a few years ahead of us theoretically, and like most technology, it seemed. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so like. I don't. I don't quite love the idea that the ship came. To, oh, here we go. The dish ship came just straight from Mondas, and it's been doing this ever since. And it's been some sort of like parallel development of Cybermen. Yeah, uh, I guess it depends how much the master had to do with that, doesn't it? Whether um, and that's yeah, that's yeah. what I think we're going to find out. Whether he provided the ship or whether the ship is his TARDIS. I, yeah. 
Oh, that's an interesting thought too. Yeah, I guess. Uh, but then it would be able to, well, presumably able to escape the black hole a lot more easily. Um, but uh, I guess if that's part of his plan, unless, he's leaving it there. Yeah, yeah, unless this is all part of his trap, sort of. It's not. Because it, it seems very likely that all of this was set up to ensnare not only the doctor, but the doctor and Missy. Yeah. Although it, it seems from the dialogue later that the master watched them arrive, obviously in slow motion on his TV screen. Um, and then he said, it took me a while to figure out who you were, as if he wasn't maybe expecting Missy. But, uh, yeah, again, it's not, That's not true, that clear, too. is it? Yeah. Um, well, how did he figure out I, it was her as well? That's the thing. It's really very slowly lip-reading the uh, the situation. <laughs> <laughs> or else just, like, feeling that they were with Time Lords. You know, there's been statements before that if they were, that you can, like, tell other Time Lords on site. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. Time Lords writing that themselves, even after a generation. But then sometimes they don't. It's not very big. Yeah. It's, um, uh, it, again, it's plot convenience, that, isn't it? As to whether they can... Uh, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. The um, the 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 little sign above the door saying conversion theater really amuses me because I really I just want for once a, a companion to have been like briefed on like the ten most likely foes yeah. and key words and things associated with them yeah so they don't keep being like I don't know what these things are it's like huh they got machine parts in you and they're talking about conversion and upgrading it's Cybermen get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> What's this orange thing with a weird plunger stock? Run! You know, that sort of stuff. Yeah, but the second Doctor had the right idea, didn't he, with um, Zoe when he showed uh, Evil of the Daleks? Evil of the Daleks, <laughs> yes. Tardis, yeah. Every Doctor should do a new, should do a mental presentation of like yeah. five or six different episodes. <laughs> and then she never met them, did she? I guess. No, I don't think. Zoe? No, she never uh, met no, them. No, she didn't. Because Evil was the last Dalek story until Day of the Daleks. Yeah. But she's one of the few people that got to watch. Uh, <laughs> they got to watch even though Alex. So. Yeah, that's what you got to watch it all. Yeah, these scenes are so creepy. So well done. Uh, and at this point, Razor as well is. Um, you don't really get such a clear look at his face or his eyes or anything, do you? No. It's, I think it was about his third appearance when I. Um, I kind of clocked it. And uh, yeah, this one, she's just turned the volume down as well. And not That's anything. so, it's so profoundly cruel. Yeah. Um, that they, they don't even, either they don't care or they just don't even have anything to give people. It does make you wonder though what's in the sort of glowy fluid. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is the, just sort of grimmest idea of cyber conversion, isn't it? That it takes years yes. of constant agony and, and like you say, whatever the that glowing drip is doing to them. Um, whenever we've seen it, it's been quite quick in the past, hasn't it? In um, especially in the yeah. David Tennant one, where they brought the Cybermen back. I mean, it was brutal. But and there's just like brains. It's just like kind of brains go in and brains come, you know. And this is this is actual tenth planet Cybermen. This is actual. There's a human body inside that. You know, in Planet, they have hands, like actual hands, even gloves. Yeah. Um, and they're 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 people in there. You can see the human eyeballs in some shots, can't you? In the Tenth Planet as well, which is uh, yeah, 
disturbing. Yeah. They're, they're not robots. They're really not robots. Yeah. Uh, the, the kill me is a bit much, maybe, too. I don't know. That's, that's, that's intense for young people. Yeah. But this is, uh, you know, Richard Dowley has done some horror movies, including one of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. And this, this entire, all these sequences, that sort of night in the hospital, this awful sort of terrible, like, bad 50s NHS underfunded thing they got she got going on mm-hmm. uh, really demonstrates her ability to to wring the you know the horror out of some fairly familiar settings and to really go for the body horror yeah that Moffat fortunately you know Moffat was like I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do spare parts I'm gonna do yeah have you, have you heard how, spare how parts I was gonna ask that. actually mm-hmm. uh, you, you've heard spare parts yeah yeah I, I yeah. had a re-listen yeah, earlier. It's been a while, but yeah. Yeah, I, I listened to it again at the weekend. So I forgot now. He was 15 years old now. Uh, which Yeah, it's ages and ages ago. Yeah, it came as quite a shock because uh, I hadn't listened to it for years. But yeah, it was very good. Um, I saw um, uh, Jonathan Morris. The uh, He writes for Big Finish and, uh, and some of the novels and things. Uh, saying on Twitter, he doesn't think Stephen Moffat's heard spare parts. Um, which quite surprised me when you watch this because it's uh, there are some similarities. Uh, but I guess but in fairness, in fairness, spare parts is extrapolated from what the tenth planet Cybermen say about themselves. Yeah, even down to the phrase spare parts. Yeah, about how you know they upgraded themselves in pieces. Like you know, it, it it was only later that Cybermen became you know the sort of giant silver machine man. Yeah, like and and, and my guess is. Uh, Capaldi, I believe this is actually stated to the record. Capaldi said, "I would love some Mondasian Cybermen." Yeah, yeah, it's something he's asked for, isn't it? Yeah, and so Moffat's like, "Okay, I can do that." And you know, he did Hospital being scary in and the Child Doctor dances. Yeah, you know, he's he's done this sort of stuff before. He can make it work. Yeah, the uh, Day of the Moon and that they have that really creepy is it psychiatric hospital. That they go to oh briefly, yes uh, oh so. yes I forgot about that yes and the guy that works there who still thinks it's years and years before because he's uh, surrounded by the silence yeah he's just losing time constantly yeah I think yeah, Ray's is great um, <laughs> he's a uh, great kind of comic he really creation. he's an incredibly charming character mm-hmm Yeah, and he, I, just, I like to sort of uh, imagine the mask because he, he presumably had a, a few months, if not longer, of um, of knowing that uh, Bill was coming, uh, of trying on different uh, different disguises, different voices, um, <laughs> practicing in front of the mirror, seeing what's gonna what's gonna work. <laughs> Some people all goes a bit, you know, vending machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which my subtitles yeah. apparently think he said bending chain. <laughs> During quite is very hot. The pain will disguise the taste. Yeah. He just, it's really, he's a wonderful comic character. He yeah. really is. Very friendly written. Yeah. Uh, do you watch Battlestar, or, or sorry, Babylon 5? I did when it was on, yeah. I, it, it's the, um, is it Zathras or? Uh... Yeah, I, yeah, I have friends who watch it and they're like, it's just that guy. Like literally everything about it. 
it's, it's, to the point where they're they're convinced it's some sort of homage or rip off or something. It, yeah, there are similarities. I haven't watched Babylon Five since it was on, but uh, which again, I guess is is frightening a long time ago now. Must be twenty years at least. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, what it made me think of the fact that the master has so much time to put into this planet. It's like when the doctor talks about how short human lifespans are in comparison to time loads and and things that, that this isn't really that long for him uh, to spend a few years pretending to be this this guy. <laughs> yeah, there's. I think it's and Davison at one point I think was talked is like threatened with having to do something for somewhere for like years, and he says, I think he says handful of heartbeats to a time lord. I think it's Davison doctor. Yeah, or maybe Colin Baker actually. It kind of rings a bell. Maybe, maybe Colin Baker. It's it's eighties ish. I feel. Yeah. And then some of the novels definitely pick up on that, where they talk about on Gallifrey, you will wait for weeks before like your your waiter comes around to ask you for your order. Yeah. Because they're just their perspective of time is so incredibly different than humans, which which is sort of the double theme of this idea of the fast and the slow times. You have. You have both, like, the sort of, because of the gravity, you have the physical, you know, actual physical passage of time, and then you also have the sort of um, fact that the Master, the Doctor, and the Missy are, are, are perceived time differently because they're time lords. Yeah. He's been raising his eyebrow for a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you can't see what he's reading there, or else I wondered if there was uh... It would be fine if, it, yeah, you could see what book he was reading. Was it his War of the Worlds the Master reads in... Um... Frontier in space, isn't it? I wonder if it was uh, something along those lines. Yeah, they usually make something like the time machine in the world of worlds or something. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, this nurse is uh, pretty unsympathetic, isn't she? She is, which <laughs> it's also one of those moments where my 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 more sympathetic friends and I are more empathetic friends. A week raising his eyebrow. Why would I change? Yeah. Um, and with but the nurse, she's like she's the only fat person. And it's hard to imagine any Mondasian being able to be fat given how terrible their environment is. Yeah, but they they wanted sort of like evil nurse type. Yeah, so they went with a fat lady. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, they're um, yeah, it's supposed to be a pretty grim kind of civilization there, aren't they? On their uh... yeah, I mean they don't even have tea. Yeah. <laughs> the um, the bit I think I've missed it. It's something I made a note of um, where Razor says something like, "It was a clever lie." That was a line that the doctor used, I think. The 11th it hasn't season. come up, and I don't think it's come up yet. Ah, right. I, I've made the notes just without sort of context of where they fall. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a line that I think the 11th Doctor says in "Let's Kill Hitler," um, which again, I guess, is a is a maybe a slight clue that he's not not who he seems or is uh, is connected in some way. Well, and by but, the end, he's positively. We haven't gotten there yet, but by the end, he's positively flaunting. Um, 
the fact that he's wearing a mask when he puts yeah. on that really ridiculous like Amberglar mask. It's like yeah. I'm wearing burglar mask. He's this guy. Good, no. Yeah. It's like it's like uh, yes, I wear a mask. You, my my mis- my disguise didn't you know yeah. trick you. It's, it's very funny because the entire time he's wearing two masks during that sequence. Yeah. It's great, and it's it's more like the Delgado master as well, isn't it? Of just kind of enjoying himself and uh, yeah, kind of having it, having fun with it. The I know a lot of people have said this on Twitter. The um, the idea that that Bill watching the the screen going by very slowly, it's like watching an old sixties Doctor Who or the or telesnaps or reconstructions yes. or something. Yeah. yeah, the action's progressing, but nothing's moving on screen. Yeah. Which I guess is he's got to be a deliberate nod, I think, isn't it? Given the uh, it's harking back to the sixties. The um, the one thing that did bother me, or, and when I saw it, has bothered me consistently, is the um, idea that the doctor is the moment the doctor realizes about the time dilation effect, he should be running for the elevators. Yeah, you know. Because he should realize he immediately realizes she's been down there for years. Yeah, and I, I know, like I, you know, it's going to be almost impossible to find her. Any delay is going to be just make it. It's going to be months, yeah, months and months, yeah. And yet he still goes through all the trouble trying <laughs> to explain to the janitor several times about how time dilation works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who then is just left behind and? Who then is just left behind anyway? I'd be surprised if we ever see him again. Yeah. Yeah, probably not. He does a bit of Venusian Aikido. Yeah. And that's it. Uh, and then, yeah, as you say, this is where she starts to sort of forget about the Doctor a yep. little bit and uh, start following Razor. She's found someone else to be a companion of somewhere. Uh, the second time I watched it, I was trying to see if there was any... Um, so he always kind of looking for stuff like this, if the graffiti was saying anything uh, interesting, but it doesn't seem to be. I looked like it was just saying C and K, but I might have misread it. Yeah, but I can't think that that. Uh... Yes, yeah, C and K. Yeah, I think yeah. it's just kind of fairly random stuff, then, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's don't even have. It's like I love that it's hospital. Not even like anyone's named hospital. Just hospital. Yeah. Yeah, and it's the only uh, the only building's kind of lit up well or anything, isn't it? The only thing that's seems like he's getting, he's getting most of the power. There's only a few lights on in the other buildings. Yeah, really oppressive and grey. Because he, uh, I don't think we've got to it. The bit where he talks about that they went to floor number five oh seven or something. Oh, here we are. 507, yeah. yeah. I think it's where I think it's right now, yeah. Yeah, but there's something yes. up there. But it doesn't And really I'm like, get... okay, what's that? Like, that seems like a thing. I don't know. The yeah. largest of the solar farms. Yeah, and because it, it's... And? Thrown away, isn't it? And and uh, whether it's going to become important later on. But then it, it doesn't really answer the question of, um, you know, why not use the, the lifts again? Because they were able to retrieve I mean, Bill. They were able to retrieve Bill. Yeah, and the Doctor and Missy and Nadal are able to get down okay. So is that just yeah. a red herring that there's something up there, or is that um, just something they're being told to encourage people to, to convert? 
or is that even like somehow key to whatever the master's plan is? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. As as it stands, you know, at the end of the episode, nothing quite makes sense. Yeah. Like there's interesting things going on. But, yeah. Yeah, and this is the point where they say it's been years for her. And why they can't just take the TARDIS. Which, you know, close with that close to a black hole, they have talked about TARDIS being traumatic with black holes before. Yeah. Well, they said um, it's, it's the... the um, the two-parter that introduces the Ood, the impossible planet, and the Satan. Yes. Uh, the Doctor says that Time Lords invented black holes, doesn't he? So they have, do have some abilities with them. but Or an aunt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he just wrote all the jokes for uh, yeah. Razor, which is great. I Don't ask me why, because if you do, I think I might tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I didn't get any significance in the name. It's not a uh, an anagram or a, a kind of a foreign yeah. language name for master or anything, is it? Yeah, I couldn't figure it out. But then Saxon's the same, isn't it? It's not. Um, it's not a clue. Yeah, but that's a parody of the idea that he was like posing as like the ultimate like white Englishman. Yeah. His first name may as well have been Anglo. Yeah. It's yeah. also interesting, we never see Bill's mechanical chest thing. No. We don't actually see Bill partially converted. Oh, the mask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a hoot. It's uh, brilliant, isn't it? He's one of only four people that work in the hospital. And <laughs> yeah, there's like no one else around. <laughs> yeah. It's absurd. <laughs> I suppose if you're doing it for that long, you just want to have fun with it, don't you? Pretending to be somebody else, you're going to... They don't let just anyone wear a mask. Yeah. (laughs) 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 It really does... Like, this relationship that Moffat develops between Bill and Razor really does... It makes the episode work. Yeah. You know, as much as it does, and I think people disagree about as much as it does, but... If it were, if he had not found a way to integrate the master as a comic character who was also like Bill's best friend who looked after her, yeah, like that's 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 a tough thing to pull off, and he does it. Um, I don't know anyone who sort of thought this part didn't work. It's it's whether you know there are other there were other concerns. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very well done. I suppose it's a similar sort of thing that he uh, did. you see through my clever disguise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's similar to what he tried to do with uh, with Mel's, wasn't it? Being River Song. Yes. Um, yes. The uh, you know a character kind of hidden in plain sight in a different in a different guise with the companion. Uh, the way the the doctor is lit, the the surgeon is lit. Uh, it gives him like a classic kind of horror movie uh, <laughs> evil look, doesn't it? 
Uh, and then this, this I guess, if, if, if we hadn't known the Mandassian side when we were coming back, this is the clue for the, for the fans who know about them. Yeah, uh, the ear handles. Yeah, because you don't know what it is at first and when the way it snaps into place. <laughs> and Nardole and Missy coming out of the lift together. <laughs> yeah, no. I think it, Missy has plenty of room. She's doing that yeah. purpose. <laughs> yeah. There's plenty of room between Missy's back and the other side. Yeah. She's doing it just to play with Nardole. <laughs> it is something I'd like to have seen more of. Um, you got a little touch of in Empress of Mars, isn't it, of Missy and Nardole together? Yeah. This, I hadn't thought about it until now, but this episode makes me wonder. Because she's traveled through multiple episodes and is now off doing stuff, is Missy a companion? Yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess. Uh, it depends. I, everyone has their own definition, but I mean, like, there's a case. Yeah. Because for oh, a lot of people. Hello, ordinary person. <laughs> a lot of people, it's somebody who's traveled in the TARDIS across episodes, isn't it? That's how I usually yeah. think about it. It's like you have to travel in the TARDIS across episodes. Ideally. Ideally, and not leave in your first episode like Adam did. Yeah. But, you know, but still, uh, she's been around all season. She's helped multiple times. She's done this. She's done that. Yeah. It's, I think it'll all depend on how she turns out next week. Yeah, true. The other thought I had was that, you know, ages ago, the scene um, where the doctor was talking about how he and the young master sort of sat and looked out at the stars and thought about going and visiting them all. Um, and it made me realize that, you know, the thing the doctor always loves to say about all of time and space, <clears throat> every place that ever was, or ever will be the first person he ever said that to was the master. Yeah. And in, and in the doc said, I think the reason he's never killed the master or done what he needs to do maybe sometime is because he still wants that dream to come true. Yeah, it's because uh, it's not reciprocated, is it? <laughs> the, uh, or the, or well, it is. From, it's just hard to tell sometimes. Yeah, I mean the um, like Anthony Ainley's master. There's there's none of this kind of nuance, is there? It is uh, except in survival. Yeah, so, let's try to look, seduce the doctor into the cheated people. Yeah, survival is my favorite. Uh, Anthony only master story easily, I think. Uh, yeah, it's the only one worth like yeah. worth watching for like in depth after characterization. I suppose the <laughs> um, the I mean the the master tried to reconcile in um, at the end of Capaldi's first season, didn't he? Uh, didn't she? She with um, you know trying to give the the doctor the army of Cybermen. Yes, she did. As she said of, she did because she wanted her friend back. Yeah, so it's a bit of an inversion yeah. of that, isn't it? And then we've got the Cybermen again. Yeah. It's like after Cybermen. after the return of Gallifrey, she's realized that maybe they can try to be like almost reset. Yeah. Oh, and here we go. Yeah, and and Mondas is <laughs> it's it's not been seeded or mentioned at all, has it? I don't think. No. Uh, and then to you know, it's not like um, when they started mentioning Gallifrey. Um, I think in uh, the Runaway Bride, didn't they? That was the first time it was mentioned in the new series. Yes, when he says it to the, the Spider Lady. Yeah. Mondavian Cyberman. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is great with um, with uh, with Razor. Now, Missy, and it's difficult to tell when she realizes as well. I honestly don't think she, she does until he takes said the thing about the prime minister. Yeah, she seems genuinely confused. Yeah, it's like the, to this idea, this silly little friend. The the way that um, the Cyberman lights up out of the darkness reminded me a bit of um, the Dalek in Dalek as well. Yes, um, it seemed like a seemed like maybe a callback to that. He does look a bit ready. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and a lot taller than Bill, I think, as well. So it makes you wonder what. Uh, there's just six inches of like uh, plastic platform beneath her feet. Yeah. Neither would I. Great. There was so much like screaming and like ah going on during these like the last three minutes. Yeah. Just people, tr- just as all the pieces were falling into place about what's been going on. Yeah. It's uh, it's great, isn't it? But I think it's this. I think it's this stuff, and I love disguises. Do you still like disguises? Yeah. <laughs> There's such a suave look on his face when he uh, when he reveals it as well. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, with with Bill as well, it's like she um, she can't immediately remember that she she was Bill. It's, yeah, she can't she, immediately control enough of her mind or her voice, maybe, to say it. Yeah, she's searching, and uh, yeah, there's a, there's sort of a, a number of moments here that could um, that could be the end. You could you can you could see the the music crashing in. Uh, you know when the master well, himself. Too, or, yeah, it's two massive distinct cliffhangers. Yeah. Um. But Stephen Moffat does like that sort of repeat. With with Bill keeps saying, "I waited, I waited." He likes that kind of repeated. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the who turned out the lights and, uh, and things like that. When then Dan and Neville has left the library, Dan and Neville wasn't safe. It's the same cliffhanger I found in the library. Yeah. It's the same cliffhanger. It's it's the the you know the face appears only because Don is dead. Yeah. And the now the doctor is really like, okay, this line about being a genesis of the Cybermen. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, it's very matter of the master, isn't it, to say that? Yes. <laughs> and Missy's just standing there, and it's not clear where she's gonna go. Yeah. She's not smiling. She's not laughing. She's just there. Yeah. And given the Cyberman, the um, and the teardrop, the teardrop, which is part of the design thereafter as well, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the design happens with the next iteration. Yeah. That is definitely okay. So I haven't, I haven't watched the preview. Do we want to watch the preview? We're we doing the preview. Um, well, if you're avoiding spoilers or anything, uh, it's. Uh, I didn't want to um, watch it Saturday because I would yeah. like time to sort of process what I'd seen. Yeah. I think I'm okay with seeing it now. Okay, cool. But this is my first time seeing it. Next time. See, there's definitely no sign of of Bill. Anywhere, or even you know, um, Cyberman talking like Bill, which is good. 
That's that's me at the end of it. He might be a couple of seconds <laughs> behind. And then the hands close. Okay, yeah. well that's not. There's nothing happens there. But it looks like the entire finale is still set on the ship. Yeah, and the levels of the ship. The regenerating hand there isn't isn't on snow, is it? It's on uh, it's on it's grass. On grass. So it might be a quite. So he got in and he went somewhere to try to do something. I don't know. Yeah, we'll it's maybe a prolonged regeneration again, sort of holding it back a bit, like uh, a bit like we saw with the tenth Doctor. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, definitely could be. Anyway, yeah, no, I, I, I quite like that. I still have the issues I had. I still have, but I, I enjoyed it more knowing kind of what was going to happen and not being so quite so much on tenterhooks about just what was happening. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's really beautifully done. The um, slowly seeing the elements of the uh, of the original Cybermen build up, you know, the kind of the, the basic kind of uh, body stocking, and then the uh, mm-hmm. uh, Bill's chest unit, but you never really see it. Uh, it's, it's, and then finally seeing the the headlamp. Uh, yeah, yeah, kind of bringing all the elements back. Yeah, no, it was very, it was very interesting. It was very interesting doing it that way. Um, and it really allowed Moff to sort of combine silly comedy and body horror in an interesting way. Yeah. Um, because for most of the episode, you don't care about the people up on floor one or floor zero, whichever it's called. Yeah. Um, like they're, they're there, but you're following Bill mm. and you just kind of cut back to the doctor for explanation of what, why the timing changed different essentially. Yeah, and who these might be, and you're kind of a little bit ahead of the doctor potentially as well, um, because I, I think, think you're ahead of the doctor most of the time. Yeah, because yeah. you see the clock um, very early on when Bill's down in the the depths of the ship that shows what the time is on the different floors. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you're kind of waiting for them to catch up uh, and react and uh, kind of get down there. So, yeah, I, I I hope I hope the explanation though isn't. I don't know. I hope there's an actual explanation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for like where the ship came from, why it's there, how it got there, why it stopped, you know, all that sort of stuff. Because um, it feels it feels right now like all that all those sorts of questions have been put on hold. Yeah. I mean, I suppose they could have uh, they could have used all their resources and their time building that ship. Uh, flew it, you know, kind of maybe built in a shipyard somewhere and they're waiting for it on Mondas. It never turns up. Um, and that's, you know, then a bit further down the line, they decide to, uh, well, in spare parts, they build they a realize they, need, they realize that they need to conquer Earth, essentially. Yeah. I think in spare parts, they've, they've, it says they built a, propul- a propulsion system for the planet, but I can't remember if that's in 10th Planet or not, or whether it's just... They try and it doesn't work. Yeah, and so the shot they have is the fact that it's falling out of orbit or it's going in elliptic orbit or whatever, and it's sort of it's like it's passing near enough to Earth that they can kind of try to do that, um, and that's their only hope for survival. And Mondas just blows up. Yeah, and the um, the snowy kind of Arctic looking uh, setting for the pre-title sequence calls back to Tenth Planet, but as well doesn't it? Yeah, that's it. Definitely does. Yeah, as to whether that's going to tie in or not. That's interesting. Um, so last time we spoke, it was about Extremis. 
Yes, it was. How did you get on with the rest of the Monk trilogy? After that. <laughs> well, it wasn't good. I'm sorry, it wasn't good. It was. Yeah. There was never an explanation for who the monks were, why they wanted what they wanted, what they did, how they related. Like, yeah, it w- it was just this invented baddie that kind of looked cool and in one moment would have nearly godlike powers and another couldn't do anything. Yeah, it, uh, it's funny. I mean, this is the essence of Doctor Who, I suppose, isn't it? That, uh, you know, everyone likes, everyone will take a different kind of favorite episode away from the series. For me, the Extremis was the best one and it kind of got progressively worse. But I saw plenty of people who thought that Lie of the Land was the strongest one. Um, were they crazy people? But, <laughs> were they high? Were they like, I don't, had they been recently been bonked on the head? I honestly, <laughs> Lie of the Land I thought was aggressively bad, actually. It was so um, strange that, um, because I mean, we watch Doctor Who every week now. But for the rest of, of time, we'll watch it as part of a box set. Um, and the idea that the monks will lose the ability to speak um, from one episode to the other is, yes. is really jarring and strange. Um, but then... And that will never know what they wanted. Yeah. What they wanted. They just wanted to conquer. Why? People don't conquer just to have it. Unless you're like Alexander, in which case you would still say that. Yeah. But like they clearly <laughs> wanted something. They want, And why was it about they needed love? Why was it about consent? Like, none of that. Yeah, it seemed like, and, and I listened to an interview with, with Peter Harness that, that seemed to suggest this as well, that they were three separate stories with the same body then kind of grafted over um, to make it into a trilogy. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And I think, if I remember right, that was around, like, those story scripts were coming in around the time that that uh, Moffat's mother was dying. Yeah. Mother, I think. Yeah, I'm like, so, okay, so I'm so I'm not like you know I'm not like angry at anybody the fact that they were bad like sometimes it happens, but they were bad. Yeah, <laughs> we, should, we should acknowledge it much. Like extremists set up this idea of this these insanely powerful alien beings that the doctors never even heard of. Yeah, and we never found out because the um, it was suggested in the pyramid at the end of the world that that wasn't their true appearance. They were just yeah. dubbed the monks by the doctor. Um, yeah, it was another sort of like, we live forever, you die. It's like, you look like corpses, like you look like corpses to us. You know, they took that, they had taken that appearance to sort of make people feel more at ease. But that clearly didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you'd think, they would have, you'd think they would have changed that appearance again. Um, the fact that that, sp- that pyramid that appeared in Pyramid of the World ended up being one of their spaceships. Yeah. In Land of the Land was, I thought, ridiculously stupid. It yeah. was, I'm they, like, have it be something like a chameleon circuit. Like, yeah. it was, there were so many tantalizing ways in which they could have been connected to the Cybermen and the fact that their mouths didn't move when they talked. They had awesome power and kind of used time prediction, kind of like old Time Lords did. And they wore robes and like, there were all these sort of ways they could have been some weird horrible offshoot of something and yeah. they were just nothing that's it and as is Moffat's last series it, it's unlikely that um, anyone else is going to be keen to bring them back um, no in the future um, no they, I, he, he liked creating them I think he found them very interesting I think we all found them very interesting in Extremis and even for the most part in Pyramid in the World but yeah. there were just no answers no 
they, it, it very much, among many other things, lacked a final showdown with the Doctor, given that he'd spoken to them extensively in the previous two. Uh, and I just felt like, as well, Lie of the Land, it went too far in their invasion, in that there was a pyramid in the middle of London. They said that there was statues in every park uh, and, you know, quite kind of densely populated statues everywhere. They'd obviously killed loads of people, um, kind of banned all sorts of books and comics and things. Uh, it's not like, um, you know, it's not like these. in the past we've seen kind of uh, small-scale invasions that have been quickly repelled by the Doctor uh, and then, you know, people have said, oh, it was, you know, unit have put out a story or something. Um about it being something completely different. This was a huge thing that lasted for months. Mm-hmm. Swept under the carpet with, uh, yeah, just kind of a few minutes at the end. Very yeah, it just kind of says, oh, people yeah. forget because whatever. I forget what the reason was. Yeah, But it was essentially um, Last of the Time Lords. Yeah. With the idea of you had the statues of the Master, you had the Archangel Network sort of uh, throughout both two parts, sort of influencing people to trust uh, John Saxon, you had, you know, and you had this sort of dystopian nightmare future where, you know, thought crimes. It's like it was, yeah. it had been done and it had been done better. And, it, and, and they didn't do anything new to it yeah. to make it, to make it really stand out. Kind of inconsistent as well, I thought, in the, the idea was that the populace was under mind control, but then mm-hmm. the um, the guy with the boat, who his son had been imprisoned or killed or something, they said, "Oh, he doesn't like the monks, so he'll help us." Which kind of made you think. So they do have a choice, uh, you know, as to as to whether they go along with it or not. Yeah, do they love the monks? Yeah. As the videos keep saying they should, because is it like, is it like an actual totalitarian regime where it's just you know, you're being fed this all the time, but people don't actually believe it. Like, no one believes it. Yeah. And you just kind of sit there and live because you're terrified. That's, that. okay, that's proper, like, sci-fi depicting life under uh, a dictatorship. Fine. But they made it this whole sci-fi thing with the statues and people think, like, that, but there are a lot of people who clearly aren't being affected by whatever you're sending around in the statues. Yeah. I thought the direction was pretty good by having all those sort of weird fuzzy signals interspersed yeah that were trying to break through yeah yeah like love the monks love the monks uh but and then it had another dumb ending about like how loving your mother is like the best thing ever i'm like i love my mom my mom's great but come on my mom's not going to save the world and certainly my love for her is not going to save the world yeah it kind of suggests that nobody else does love their mother as much as uh as bill yeah or that because Bill's mother is not real because yeah. she's dead and Bill only has the pictures the doctor took for her. Yeah, the idealized uh, idea. Yeah, I got... Yeah, all, that that moment actually, like where, which brought back stuff from the pilot and sort of... It seems to be that the story of the season was going to be Bill and like her love for her mother and her wish for a family yeah. and stuff. And then that just kind of got wrapped up there. And it's like, okay, <laughs> I guess we're done with that. I guess they're done that season eight or in episode eight. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that was just seeded for, which I suppose they thought that the Monk Trilogy was going to be a huge, huge part of it. Uh, which I suppose it is. It's a, you know, time wise, it's a big chunk of the series. Uh, I was going to say, what, what it's is, a quarter of it. 
it's three episodes out of twelve. Yeah. It always makes the the thing the Harry Potter thing that that kind of bothered me a little bit as well. And if you've uh, if you've read or, or seen the Harry Potter films, I have. I have both. The the way that um, Harry Potter is protected by his mum's um, love for him, love, yeah. sacrifice, the uh, ancient magic more powerful than anything Voldemort can imagine. Yeah, but as if nobody else that Voldemort has killed has loved their children or parents or, or, or stepped in front of them to save them yeah. or yeah. Anything like that, yeah. I think it'd be a relatively common thing to happen, yeah. Yeah, uh, that was very... But, uh, yeah, that was yeah, pretty that. silly. <laughs> so, so far, what's the high point of, uh, of the series for you? Well, you know, this assuming next week pays off, I think yeah. it will have been a season that ends on, like, Strongest Story, which is not yeah. unheard of by any means. Yeah. Um, I, I was thinking about this. I have a lot more issues with a lot of the stories that people loved or some of the stories people loved. This hasn't been a great season for me. Um, I don't, you know, if, if, if I exclude the, you know, sort of finale, the one I've enjoyed most and I'll probably watch again most readily, maybe Empress of Mars. Okay. Um, like I had a, you know, I have a lot of affection for Thin Ice, but I also have some problems with Thin Ice. I thought I thought the pilot was really good, but I I feel like at this point it's kind of been let down by the season that followed it. Mm-hmm. Like the bill we got presented there, I just haven't seen a lot recently. Uh, you know, the monk yeah. stories range from okay to really quite poor to oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I um. Yeah, maybe, maybe, I would never think I would have said that, but maybe Empress of Mars, just because it it does what it's trying to do, it does it cleanly, it does it in a fun fashion, and um, it has a lot of, like, just fun little good moments. Yeah. I think Alpha Centauri turning up is, is uh, as in just individual <laughs> moments, is a, is, a, is a high point of the series for me. Yeah, totally. And, and the fact that Alpha Centauri shows up to say... I just love this idea of Alpha Centauri showing up to say, um, you know, Mars, Mars, welcome to the universe. Yeah. Just that idea is like, this is the moment where the ice warriors go from being like horrible warriors who attack and whatnot to being like members of the international community or the interplanetary community. Yeah. That's great. That's super cool. That's, I, you know, I thought that was a really sweet moment. And there was a lot of just good good just fun stuff in there from from the soldiers i thought bill had some good stuff yeah um i liked the fact that you know the empress listened to bill because the females had you know different yeah. ideas in the males you know there was, there, was, there was fun stuff in there i suppose uh mark gatis has said that mark gatis has said that um his kind of original idea was maybe to do a peladon story um with as an analogy for brexit Yes, <laughs> um, I guess a thing of him getting in there of Mars going from being a, a parochial outpost to joining a wider community of uh, of a federation. Um, I suppose does yeah. He did uh, the other side yeah. essentially. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I suppose it's a it's a nice way to kind of get maybe his message across. Yeah, it's a it's in it. it, it, it yeah, I'm supposed to know it's a, like supposed to be a, a sequel to the Peladon stories. If anything, it's now a prequel to the Peladon stories. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's nice to get Alpha Centauri in there, but doing a Peladon story now, it's uh, it'd be difficult to see that um, 
that that getting past anybody, wouldn't it? I don't think how you actually I don't think how you actually make that work. And if to to do yeah to do anything that is close enough to Brexit to be recognizable as such, be too close to be Brexit to air. Yeah. So it's just um, it's it's not. It's not the show it was in the 70s, and it can't get away with the same stuff it did in the 70s, I don't think. Yeah, and I guess it's so divisive as well that um, it's not something they want to uh, pick a side on, maybe. It really, but it's like, yeah, sorry, it's like the Green Death, which is essentially a six-part, and I enjoy the Green Death a great deal, but it's a six-part screed about how corporations are destroying the environment in, name of, in, uh, in the interest of turning profits. <coughs> yeah. So, you know, I think that would be hard to get on the air now in such a blatant form. Yeah, I suppose oxygen is the closest we get. Yeah, which is the other story that people really loved. I I really quite liked it. I'll need to rewatch it. I didn't respond to it quite as positively as a lot of people did. You know, I enjoyed it, but I didn't I didn't go over the moon the way a lot of people did. Mm. It was a bit it's a bit dour. Yeah. Yeah, it was quite uh, kind of grim, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, but assuming he assuming he sticks the landing, um, I mean, a scary, interested, twisty, plotted, dialogue-rich Moffat two-parter is just like that's that's heaven. Yeah, absolutely, and and the potential for a for a big cliffhanger to to leave us uh, wanting more till Christmas as well. I mean, I would, I would, I think he'll. I actually, I'm going to predict now, and I'm going to be wrong, but I'm going to predict now. He'll wrap up. He'll wrap up every storyline. Like every storyline will be dealt with, except for the regeneration, which will go into Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it. Um, it's like when um, series seven finished, wasn't it? And he had the um, the fiftieth, and then the the Christmas special. So he uh, they set up the the War Doctor at the end of. Yes. Uh, name of the Doctor, didn't they? they yes, quite they a did. Long, uh, quite a long gap there to, to see that pay off. Yeah. Yeah, because we don't get enough cliffhangers. Eh? It's, it's a golden opportunity to put something big in there, isn't it? I think. Yeah, there is. And, you know, depending on what is happening at Christmas, there are any number of things you could throw in the end of the season that would, uh, you know, that would bring about a pretty interesting... Uh, cliffhanger for the Christmas special. Yeah. That's great. Uh, anything else on World in Time enough? I think I've exhausted... What world I'm enough saying. in time. Sorry, what did I say? <laughs> <laughs> you, said, you said World in Time enough. Ah, right. World in, it's world enough in time. Um, <laughs> I was thinking just of, just well, to sort of cite the reference, I think people have cited it's from an Andrew Marvell poem. He's a... Yeah, uh, essentially a cavalier poet from the early 1600s, and he. Um, but the title is "To His Coy Mistress." Yeah, and it's a poem about how the mistress shouldn't be coy about what her intentions are. Yeah, because it, I, I, I totally forgot to mention this. Yeah, that they um, because they don't have time to to have a kind of a long courtship and uh, and everything like that, isn't it? So, yeah, he wants to have sex with her essentially. Yeah, but it's. <laughs> Uh, but you know it, it is interesting like because when I first heard that I'm like why is that and then sort of seeing the title and the position it puts Missy in yeah it's like the and story is forcing Missy the mistress to decide where she's going to end up yeah so 
I like that. Yeah, it fits really well, doesn't it? Yeah, Andrew Marvel from the Marvel Poetic yeah. Universe. <laughs> <laughs> Extra L. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it all kind of ties in with all these other poems, and then uh, his, yeah, the uh, Marvel Extended Universe of Poetry. Yeah. <laughs> Dan and Ben Johnson. All the all the mistresses yeah. can team up uh, every so often for a <laughs> for a big epic one. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay. Uh, thank you very much for for joining me today. Oh, thank you very been, much for having me, Mark. A uh, pleasure discussing that one with you. Um, you're um, the Doctor Who, the Writers' Room. Uh, you and Carla discussing well, switching between discussing the early Cyberman stories and the early Ice Warriors stories at the moment. So this one's been very pertinent you've got um, yes it has been yeah it's sort of the, the end of this this end of the season I, don't, I forget if we planned it this way or not but yeah the end of this season has sort of been i think we may have had been very pertinent going back and forth between the ice warriors and cybermen our next episode will be another cybermen one which ones are you discussing in that one uh let's see if i remember i think <laughs> it's gonna be i think it's gonna be wheel in space and Revenge of the Cybermen. We're doing we're doing Invasion separately later because it's eight parts. Ah, okay, I quite like the Invasion. Then, yeah, I quite like the Invasion too. Oh, good. Well, in space, <laughs> uh, neither of us have actually listened to after, so that'll be interesting. And then yeah. Revenge of the Cybermen is it's Revenge of the Cybermen, isn't it? Yeah, I'd, I'd kind of hope that Wheel in Space might be um, a potential uh, candidate for being animated. Because uh, no one of the one of the sort of um, cat, one of the uh, kind of requisites for it is um, you know not a lot of different backgrounds and things. And they said that when Power of the Daleks was done, so Wheel in Space being set entirely on the space station, I thought that might be one that uh, that was potentially maybe uh, they'd look at. But with the BBC store closing down, I guess yeah, I just don't see anything uh, else coming. Yeah, yeah, not for not for the foreseeable. So it's a shame. I mean, I'm sure, I don't even know how the legality of it will work, but I'm, I'm sure like some animator is just itching to do it and would happily start a Kickstarter to get funded for it and would probably get enough funding, but I don't know. I don't know if he's actually legally be able to do that, even if it's done in sort of not-for-profit fashion or not. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, so you, we can find you on Twitter as at... Yes. That's all that you say. Yeah, that's okay. It's at SJC Austinite. That's SJC A U S T E N I T E. Austinite, as in Jane Austen. Uh, and you can, if you want to follow the writers' room, you can do that. It's at D W T W R on Twitter. Uh, and I strongly recommend that. It's uh, it's one of my favorite Doctor Who podcasts. Why? Thank you. No problem. Uh, <laughs> so uh, again, thank you very much for for joining me. And uh, thank you for having me. Speak to you again sometime in the future. I hope so, yes. Thank you very much for listening. Join me next week when I'll discuss the series 10 finale, The Fall of the Doctor, with Chris Newman.